In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. Our gospel reading last week ended with Jesus exclaiming, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, he shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. This morning Jesus tells us that to exceed the Pharisees in righteousness, we must do battle in the heart. We must address the root system that determines the type of fruit that grows. Jesus says the heart is the wellspring of our actions and the seat of our motivations. In doing so, he restates a theme running throughout the Old Testament. In the book of Proverbs, we read, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Life is a reflection of the heart. As the prophet Samuel looks upon the sons of Jesse, searching for Israel's next king, the Lord tells him, Do not look on his appearance or the height of his stature. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The psalmist also recognizes the need to attend to the heart and petitions God, saying, Make me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Let the meditation of my heart Be always acceptable in thy sight. Jesus amplifies with new vigor what is already present in the tradition. He intensifies the call to look within and tells us to ruthlessly root out sin. He calls us to make a space where God can dwell more spaciously, where there are no dark corners and no hidden rooms. He tells us to look at our lives with a surgeon's scalpel in hand and to cut out any seductions that may cause our heart to sin. He famously writes, or says rather, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not thy whole body should be cast into hell. Of course, Jesus is not being literal here. Your left eye and your left hand would soon make up for lost time. He is graphically illustrating the seriousness of sin. He is telling us to look closely at what leads our heart astray and then completely eliminate it from our lives. If drinking causes us to sin, don't go to the bar. 
If our phone causes us to sin, get rid of it. If our laptop causes us to fall, throw it away. Jesus gives special attention to anger and how it rots our inner life. He is not speaking about anger in general. There are many things in this world and in ourselves that should make us angry. We should be angry with the same things that made Jesus angry. Greed, hypocrisy, self-righteousness, spiritual pride, and the poor treatment of children to name a few. Here Jesus is speaking about a specific kind of anger. He is referring to an anger woven with a sense of superiority, the type of anger that culminates with our saying to one of our brothers or sisters, you utter fool. This type of anger doesn't need to be vocalized. It can express itself in a glance or a flare of the nostrils. This anger, if left unchecked, leads exactly to where Jesus says it leads, hell. And all our anger that causes strife and division among us must be addressed before we can truly worship God, who is the author of peace and lover of concord. We must be reconciled with those around us before we can stand before the altar of God. When you bring your gift to the altar, Jesus says, and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, then leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. This passage is astonishing and reveals God's loving concern for humanity and our life together. Jesus says if we become aware of a need for reconciliation, we must stop everything, even if we're in the midst of worshiping the author of life. The situation is so dire that we must cease praising the one who dwelleth between the cherubim and restore concord with our brothers and sisters. We cannot overstate God's desire for harmony among his creatures. St. Chrysostom reflects with amazement on Jesus' words and says, What goodness, what all-surpassing love is shown to humanity, showing no regard for the honor rightfully his. He calls us to pour forth love toward our neighbor, interrupting the service offered and due to him. What is man, O God, that thou art mindful of him? Chrysostom notices that Jesus didn't say we should be reconciled to our neighbor after the offering or before the offering, but precisely while the gift is lying on the altar, when the sacrifice is in process. This is because reconciliation is part of the offering. It's mixed in with the sweet fragrance rising up to God. Reconciliation is at the very heart of Christian life. And when we live reconciled lives, 
we witness to the ultimate reconciliation of the world and the death and resurrection of Christ. We spread the aroma of the knowledge of Jesus everywhere, as St. Paul writes to the Corinthians. Chrysostom speculates as to why Jesus issues such an immediate command, a command so serious that it temporarily rips us away from the worship of God. He says that Jesus desires to reveal how much he values love and considers it to be the greatest sacrifice so that he does not even receive the sacrifice of worship without the sacrifice of love. He also wants us to show us the absolute necessity for reconciliation and the way to union with God and worship cannot lead away from your brother. Our prayer book couldn't agree more. One way the liturgy prepares us to approach the altar is by reminding us of our Christian duty to be reconciled with our neighbors. In just minutes, Father Marlin will read the invitation to confession, which begins, Ye who do truly and earnestly repent you of your sins, and are in love and charity with your neighbors. Are in love and charity with your neighbors. Reconciliation is a precondition for coming to the altar to receive the sacrament. If you are not at peace with your co-workers, with your family, your friends, or anyone else, reconcile with them before receiving the sacrament. Christ commands us to make peace before approaching the altar. We prepare ourselves to receive the Eucharist by rooting out and eliminating anything in our heart that clashes with who Christ is like bitterness and hostility, and anger woven with superiority. In doing so, we make a more spacious dwelling for the one who promises to dwell in us and act through us. So let us pray with the psalmist, Make me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me, and let the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.